Welcome to Season 2 from A Lancashire Lass with me, Lucy Baxter. Today I'm joined by Gemma from Nature's Gems Tours, which offers natural and wildlife experiences of Morecambe Bay. I'm really excited to learn more about what experiences are on offer and what you can expect. So welcome to the podcast, Gemma. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm good, thanks. Yeah. Great. So first of all, what is Nature's Gems Tours? What can you do there? Uh, so uh, basically Nature's Gems Tours is, is myself um, and I offer sort of half day or full day um, nature experiences which are essentially a guided walk um, around one of the many beautiful nature reserves surrounding Walkham Bay. Um, half days tend to be sort of a shorter walk um, and obviously a full day is, is a bit more of an undertaking and can involve some some big hills but rewarded with fantastic views across the bay and up into the Lake District. Um, so all experiences include a picnic lunch so I use a, a local um, cafe in Kendall who do the lunches for me so it's all kind of vegetarian um lo- you know local produce as much as possible um it's really about kind of promoting sort of engagement with the natural environment but also helping people to understand a bit more about what's there and why it's there and how how the land is managed really so I I worked in conservation for 20 years and I still do some consultancy work where I work um, for various organisations looking at nature recovery projects essentially Um, and one of the things that I've always found is missing is that kind of connect between nature people and the land and that understanding of of how the land is managed and and how that affects what's there really and and Morecambe Bay is just this kind of spectacular um habitat that offers so much uh, that so many people just don't know about so really my, I'm on a mission to kind of engage people with the, the nature and the wildlife around the bay and help them to kind of start a journey, I suppose, of understanding the land and nature and, and a little bit about the history of the land and how things came to be, how they are. And I guess the land around Morecambe Bay, the, the conservation land, if you will, really needs mm. sort of a guide with them potentially so that they know where to go. Or, you know, sometimes there's certain... I don't know, landscapes and things that are protected and you've got to be really careful what you can and can't, where you can and can't go. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think it's, again, people people don't understand that. And, and I think, you know, there's, there are lots of, you know, great walking routes, lots of footpaths, but I think a lot of people walk through the landscape sort of half blind, really. They don't really see what's there. Um, and being able to kind of walk through that landscape with a guide where you can stop and slow down, you can look at the detail, you can absorb what's there, listen to what's there and understand the the history behind how it came to be that way and and that's something you know we all we might all go for a walk in the countryside and really enjoy that 
but how often do we really engage with what's there? How often do we really stop and look at what's there and really take that in? So the, the aim of Nature STEMS experiences is not about kind of getting from A to B as fast as you can. It's about taking the time, absorbing what's there. And every, every experience is different. Every day is different. The bay itself changes every day with the tides and the seasons and, and the landscape changes with that too. So it's really nice to, to, you know, every time I go out, I'm out there all the time. I see something different. I see something new. And when I'm with other people, I see even more because there's more pairs of eyes to stop and look at things. And people are amazed at how much they do see when when they come on a tour. Um, and it, it's brilliant just to, to see people's sort of eyes opening up to, to the wonders of the natural world that they would never have really kind of stopped to look at before. Definitely. And I guess you've always had a passion for wildlife and the outdoors. How? Yeah. How did that come about? Was it when you were little or why don't you tell me about that journey? Um, I mean, I guess uh, as a kid, I was chucked out of the house to go and play with my friends. <laughs> we were lucky enough. We had a path across the road um, and I spent, you know, lots of time building dens in the woods, cycling around the streets with my friends, um, just being outside. really. And I don't think at the time I was conscious of that and how lucky I was to to experience that I just kind of came to know stuff and understand things because I spent time in the natural environment um I think the other thing that was a big influence was David Attenborough and I'm sure anybody in conservation <laughs> will tell you the same um you know he, he was a big influence on my my life um as a young person and, and still is you know he's still still going strong um and a real inspiration to, to lots of people you know starting their journey and in, into that wonders of the natural world I think I it wasn't really until I kind of went to university and and started to work that I really understood kind of where I wanted to be and that I really wanted to work in nature conservation I was always very passionate about it and I was, I was a bit of a kind of save the planet teenager so, um and you know with all the t-shirts and just kind of yeah persuading my parents to buy free range eggs and just little things that at the time were were not you know common um so yeah I think it just kind of grew from that and I I actually spent a year working at Chester Zoo wow uh, when I was at university which was amazing and that for me was really probably the formative moment that made me kind of decide that I really wanted to do something in conservation and something that was going to make a difference um I was always excited by the glamour of, you know, the, the big African, you know, the big five and all, you know, the, the big mammals and all that kind of thing. But actually, I think I, when I was working there, I learned that there are so many interactions with the natural environment. It's not just about the wildlife that lives there. It's the interactions of wildlife with the plants, with the soil, with the weather, um, with farming and with people. And, and, and those things, actually, that kind of jigsaw puzzle of how it all fits together is what really kind of fascinated me and has driven me into the kind of conservation work that I do now. So when did you decide to set up the business and kind of why did you decide to set this up yourself? So it had been in my mind for a few years. Um, I set it up in April uh, 2021, so just last year. Um, so it's still fairly new, um, but but really enjoying it um 
I think it's a it's a journey <laughs> setting up your own business. You kind of go through phases, but it's 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 been a brilliant learning curve. But I I guess the reason I set it up was because when I um, I used to work for the National Trust, um, managing a ranger team that that managed the sites around the Morecambe Bay area, and through that job I worked a lot with other conservation organisations, but also with local farmers, um, other landowners. Um, coppice co-ops various people who were working in the landscape and one of the things that we always discussed was how do we how do we keep this area so special how do we sustain that um economically um as well as you know managing the, the land for what's there so how how do we make that something that works for the people so that people can stay and live and work on the land and people can still come and enjoy it and, and understand the value of that and we talked about nature-based tourism as an option and diversification for farmers and it was always something that was kind of floated around but nobody ever really did anything with it and there was always a desire but everybody didn't you know nobody had the time um so I went I was very lucky that I went to Costa Rica wow. about four years ago now and it's an incredible country um but the one thing that really struck me about Costa Rica is that their whole economy is based around ecotourism um the, the people who live and work there live and work in in that area they know so much about the place they they you know being a guide is, is a really well respected thing they make good money out of it but they also have other you know livings they have their own small holdings and farms and things so for me it was kind of a bit of a well, if you know we could do something like this okay it's not quite Costa Rica but we could do something like this around Morecambe Bay we've got the same ingredients um, but it needs somebody to to kind of kickstart it and have a go. So that's when I kind of dreamt up Nature's Gems and kind of thought, well, maybe this is an idea that's got legs, but how do I make it happen? Because I was working full time at the time. I couldn't necessarily afford to just stop working. <laughs> um, so when was I going to find the time to do it? And I was actually very lucky that I got offered voluntary redundancy. You know, a lot of people won't see that as a lucky thing but actually it worked for me at the time so when um when the pandemic hit um I, I was offered voluntary redundancy because of the situation of the role I was in and it gave me that push um to kind of go well actually now's the now's the chance to to try it with 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 minimal risk um so yeah I just I handed my notice in and <laughs> walked into the world of self-employment and uh, and setting up nature's gems and is it a bit of a play on words because your name's Gemma as well as sort of nature you know like that kind of thing how did that process yeah. of choosing the name come about yeah no absolutely it is I kind of I I choosing a name for your business is a really hard thing to do I think you kind of go around in circles and kind of you know where do I go with this is it just kind of what it is or do I try and kind of do a bit of a play on words and the nature's gems thing just kind of popped into my head one day and I thought well it's, it's about sharing the hidden gems of, of of this area with people but also I happen to be called Gemma it works it's a bit cheesy but it works so let's go with it <laughs> And and is it more for people who've never visited Morecambe Bay? Like it's they're tourists from say a different country or from a different part of, the, of England, or is or could someone who's lived there all their life come and like would they still learn something? I think I think anybody could come and learn something on on one of my tours. I think the the fact that 
there's a different it's it's not just about having a walk uh, in the countryside it's very much about kind of connecting the the flora and fauna with how the land is managed so because I've been involved in that side of things I can talk about you know what goes into managing grasslands what goes into managing woodlands you know how that all fits together how that cycles together um and how that creates the, the mosaic of wildlife that we've got i think lots of people are i've had local people on my walks and i've had people from abroad um and it's a very different experience with each because someone from abroad i had an american couple in the summer who knew nothing about british wildlife so that was a completely different you know it was like basically starting from scratch um and and that was that was really interesting because I had to cut sort of change the way I did things but it was also really nice because it kind of made me think oh well actually no that's really you know I don't normally talk about that kind of thing but actually that's really interesting and your average person who who might have an interest in nature probably doesn't know that depth um, of information so I think the the fact that we have we've we've got a really strong mix of of nature and wildlife in this area it's on sort of the the north south boundary of, of the uk so i like to call it nature's frontier um it's kind of the a lot of southern species it's the northern edge of their boundary and a lot of northern species it's the southern edge of their boundary so you get this unique mixing of species that you don't get anywhere else in the country which makes it really interesting um and i think again you know most people who you know probably might walk up on side not or whip paris guard you know, every day of their life probably don't know all of that stuff they you know they they'll enjoy it and they'll see lots of things and they'll know some things but they won't know all of the variety of stuff that we have on the doorstep so I think it, it it's for anyone who's interested really and I'll do you know I do bespoke tours as well so if people are looking for something specific because we have some quite rare orchids we have some rare butterflies I can I can tailor to that kind of thing as well so again some people who've lived here all their lives won't have been to the right place at the right time to see something so there, there's an offer for everyone really no that sounds like such a good business and and the the level of sort of making it individual is like incredible mm. considering that you said you've only started in 2021 so I'm guessing it's been quite busy sort of do you do a tour every day or is it um a few times a week and kind of how many people do you have on each tour yeah so um at the minute it's been every couple of weeks um it has been I think because of the pandemic things have been a little bit strange and people last year people were kind of a bit uncertain about booking things because they didn't know if they'd have to cancel and I think it's been a little bit similar this summer um but also I think with the cost of living crisis it's you know it's kind of nice to do things people aren't doing them at the minute which is which is absolutely fine um but you know I've still had uh, people out generally um I've had kind of couples or um a few groups of friends sort of half a dozen people half a dozen's a really nice number because you get a good kind of get a good bit of banter going on and you've got lots of different people looking at different stuff and everyone's got slightly different interests so you see lots and you talk about lots and smaller groups it can be it can be challenging because I'm talking all the time <laughs> um but it's really good fun because actually I then really get to know people um you know we, we come away with a bit of a relationship and some people are, are kind of talking about coming back to do a different tour next year yeah. um so that's really nice you kind of get that that personal level um which you don't get obviously if you've got a bigger group yeah and 
you were mentioning like the wildlife and the species that are around Morecambe Bay that aren't anywhere else. Can you sort of give us mm. a a little a few sort of different things that are there that maybe you wouldn't know are there? Yeah, so I guess one of the the charismatic uh, creatures is the natterjack toad, um, which is um, basically a fifth of the UK's population um, is on a nature reserve near Barrow, um, and they're a really they're quite a small toad with a little distinctive yellow stripe down the back. Um, and they live on sand dunes and they basically burrow into sand dunes, but they need pools, shallower pools to reproduce. So there's quite a, a careful management of the sand dunes and the, the slacks, which are kind of like the, the shallow bits behind the sand dunes um, to manage the habitat specifically for the natterjacks. Um, they're also quite, um, they don't jump, they kind of crawl. Um, so you see them running around um, and, uh, yeah they're just they're quite a unique little little creature um, you sort of see them in the spring um in the evenings um on the sand dunes and they're yeah pretty pretty charismatic and just yeah pretty rare so they're they're a great thing to see um it's like you know people don't think about toads but <laughs> yeah no definitely cool. <laughs> and, and I guess coming in like September mid late September what can people mm. expect to see at Morecambe Bay if they're listening to this and want to book on a tour? Yeah so this time of year um we you know a lot of things like butterflies and a lot of the, the orchids and things are kind of you know disappearing kind of going into hibernation um but we do get a lot of birds um migrating through the bay so there's about quarter of a million birds come through the bay every year um, and during the season that that will change so in the spring summer we will have different birds um, like plovers, terns, um, eider ducks nesting um, around the bay um, and then in the winter we tend to get more sort of wildfowl so more geese um, and things like turnstone and knot which kind of flock on the bay so you get really big flocks of birds in the winter all feeding on the salt salt marsh and the mud flats so because the bay is such a big area we have these huge expansive mud flats that are really rich in sort of um worms and mollusks like mussels and things that the birds absolutely love um so you will often see big flocks of them when the tides are pushed out kind of paddling around in the mud pulling up whatever they can um until the tide comes back in again um so yeah it's a brilliant time of year for birds we get because everything's moving at the minute you know mm -hmm. swallows are starting to go um, the geese are moving around things like the eider will start to to move um away so um yeah it's great and we often get rarities coming through at this time of year as well as things are migrating sometimes they get blown off course if the weather's bad or they're looking for somewhere to shelter and, and things will pop up so the um the really keen birders the twitchers will often appear at <laughs> this time of year when there's something rare pops up and why is Morecambe Bay just so appealing to all these species and habitats like what what is it about the bay I think it's, it's there's an element of the of the climate and sort of where it is in the country, like I said, that kind of north south. We, we you know we don't get really extreme um, winters or extreme summers on the bay because the 
because of the size of the bay, so it's the largest intertidal estuary in the UK, it's something like six times the size of Sydney Harbour, wow. which kind of gives you an idea of the scale. So it has its own sort of microclimate. And because it's so big, it has it's it's also quite um shallow, kind of it, it's takes, you know, when the tide goes out, it goes out quite a long way. Um, which means that as the tide comes and goes, it brings its own kind of microclimate with it. And you'll see the weather will change as the tide comes in and out. Um, you can you can almost feel the tide turning when with the with the change of the wind direction and, and temperature when, when you're out there. Um, so it it has this own little microclimate. I think also because it's um largely underpinned by limestone, which is tradition you know it's quite difficult to intensively manage limestone landscapes because the soils tend to be quite thin um so it, it is still a farmed landscape um but you don't get really intensive um you know big dairy farms um and that kind of thing because the landscape just doesn't support that and, and in some respects that's partly why it has it still has that variety you know in some landscapes we have lost that um but this landscape has maintained it because actually it's quite a harsh landscape but ironically a harsh landscape is really good for varieties of plants and wildlife they thrive really well in that landscape where the kind of big bully species that thrive where the soil's really rich mm. um they push out the the smaller delicate species that you tend to find in the limestone areas yeah, I'm finding this all so fascinating. <laughs> um, and so how do you get up up close with, with these animals, say the toads? Like, you don't want to disturb them, do you? And you don't want no. to start prodding them. So how far do you get, or, you know, how close are you with these things? You can get reasonably close to most things. I mean, I think, you know, there are... the the natterjack is a protected species so you can't just go and pick them up um, you have to kind of have a license to be able to handle um, those kind of things and, and with quite a lot of the birds as well particularly the breeding birds um, that breed on the the shingle um, beaches they're they're all protected so you you, you can't go near them um, and that's sometimes quite a hard message to get across to people because you know people want to get up, up close and personal um and same you know we've got a colony of gray seals um on on Walney island um and again people really want to get close to them but actually by getting close you can you can disturb them um, and that can really affect how much they feed especially in the winter if they you know for a lot of wildlife if they get disturbed in the winter and they that means they can't feed or well, that can be really critical at that time of year and if they don't get have the right weight to to get them through the winter then they they will die so it it is you know it sounds a bit harsh but <laughs> you do have to be quite careful so um you know we try to we try to get as close as possible i i use you know i kind of have binoculars that people can borrow we also have sort of a couple of spotting scopes that we take out with us so that we can see things from a safe distance um and where possible you know where we're not going to affect things we, we can get a bit closer what's a spotting uh scope it's um it's like a telescope um it's kind of like i don't know how to explain that it's kind of sort of a cross between a binocular and a telescope oh right okay so it it's not as strong as the kind of big telescopes that you would use to look into space but it's that that kind of thing so it has a much bigger magnification than you would get on most binoculars but you 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 have to use it with a tripod because otherwise it, it wobbles too much and you won't you don't get a clear image 
So what would you say is your favourite season at Morecambe Bay for the species and the, the oh. land? <laughs> I, think, I think spring, that sort of transition from spring into summer is is the best time of year for me so sort of may june time um, and obviously it changes every year because you know the weather isn't predictable and we can never be quite sure sometimes april can be amazing um sometimes sort of july and august are amazing this year august has been a bit um it's not been great because a lot of things kind of went over early because it was so hot um, so a lot of the flowers and things were flowering much earlier than than they would normally do. Um, but yeah, I think that spring summer transition where you kind of get the spring flowers in the woodlands, sort of the bluebells and the wood anemones and the wild daffodils, and then kind of moving through into the summer when all the butterflies come out and you see all the breeding birds and 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 the orchids. It's yeah, the, there's so much to see at that time of year. Um, but equally, autumn and winter is is special in a different way we get we get fantastic sunsets across the bay so as the nights start, start to draw in you you know any early evening walk is just stunning um and obviously with the birds coming through the bay there's some great great places to watch the birds flocking and feeding um so yeah it's it's great all year round really yeah and so so I've painted the picture. If I've bought a tour, where do I kind of where do I meet you, and how fit do you need to be to go on these walks? So the tours go from uh, I sort of use a half a dozen different sites at the minute, and the way I've worked it so far is that I half days tend to be sort of either on side knots or there's a really lovely little nature reserve in Silverdale called Gate Barrows. Um, I tend to use those because they they have a good variety of landscapes. So they've got woodland and grassland um, and you get really good views and you just kind of get that sort of a sample of the mosaic of the wider bay, if you like. Um, and but I tend to decide sort of the week before. So I'll kind of if you book on something, if you say if you book like a couple of days in advance, then I'll know already kind of where we're going to go and you'll get information sent out to you that says where to meet and what to bring. Um, if you kind of book a few weeks in advance, then I will send you something out the week before to say, right, I've looked at the weather. I've been out. This is kind of the best place to go to see stuff. We're going to go here. Um, so try and tailor it a bit to kind of what what's out and what there is to see rather than be fixed by um, particular sites. Um, and yeah, I mean, fitness wise, it it really, you know, I've I've had uh, people out on, on the tours who've been in the sort of late 20s. I've had people out who've been in their late 60s. Um, you know, there's a, you need a reasonable level of fitness, but we're not climbing mountains. We're not walking at a fast pace. So in a half day, we might cover five kilometres. We might not because we might see loads of stuff and stop and look at things and not actually get very far. <laughs> so um, the full days do tend to be a bit more strenuous. We'll tend to go a little bit further um, just because we've got all day to, to do it. But even then, that said, on, you know, some of the tours I've done, we, again, we've just seen so many things and stopped and looked at stuff that actually we haven't got anywhere near as far as you know you might do if you're on a kind of a normal walk for the day so yeah I mean how do you even plan at all because <laughs> there's so much to do and you must just think where do I even start like how much time goes into planning them 
Yeah, quite a bit. I mean, I think obviously last year was my first year and I had quite a bit of time to kind of test stuff and 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 just, you know, spend my days walking around sites really and 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 looking and seeing what's out when and what's where and um, you know, talking to people. Obviously, I, I work quite closely with the the rangers and the people who manage the sites and the farmers to kind of um get their intelligence on kind of what's out when. Um so when I'm planning things, I I'm not just relying on on my kind of quick walk around the site to, to check that, that all is well. Um, so yeah, it, it does take quite a bit of time. Obviously, there's things like you know, making sure that I've you know I've risk assessed thing, you know, the the exciting end of yeah. <laughs> getting all the paperwork right and making sure that everything's how it should be and I've you know thought about everything that needs to be planned in for the day and checking the weather and and all that kind of thing um but it's not it's nice I kind of I like organizing so it it suits me (laughs) quite well and do you feel like lockdown brought people back connecting with nature I mean I know when you could just do your one hour walk a day and people would just go out and because it was something to do and do you find yeah. that people reconnected with nature yeah I definitely think so and I think there was a lot of new people enjoying the natural environment that we haven't seen before I think you know having worked in conservation for years you know we're always trying to get new audiences out into the natural environment and encourage people who don't know or experience it to get out there and enjoy it and we saw that during lockdown um and I think lots of people complained about <laughs> <laughs> the way that that people were behaving in that environment but then they've never been there before and actually for me that's a massive opportunity to engage with those people um mm. and and help them to 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 see what it is that, that they're there to enjoy and help them to understand a little bit more about it and and then you know change some of those behaviors that that we don't want to see and, and help them to become champions for for what's there yeah so yeah I think people really did do it I think it's yeah it's just really interesting to see how people have kind of gone back to their normal Mm. lives now we we have a footpath around the back of our house and during lockdown it was it was like a stampede of people every day going up and down the footpath and since since kind of lockdowns have eased and that it's gone back to you know the the same old dog walkers first thing and end of the day and that's kind of a little bit sad really that I guess you know people have gone back to work and and life's gone back to normal but um yeah kind of it would be nice to think we could try and entice people back out there just a little bit more again now they've had a taster of it yeah it is sad because I honestly thought that that life would change for the better considering everyone was being Mm. kind as well and enjoying and mindful and sort of meditational about nature as well so yeah it's a shame of that but I mean there's lots going on in Morecambe you've got this like Morecambe Bay seems to be the place to be the Eden Project's gonna start which I guess that'll be a really amazing thing as well in Morecambe yeah, I mean, I think that's a massive opportunity. And I think partly kind of good timing for me sort of setting up Nature's Gems. I kind of, I, I was aware of the conversations around the Eden Project coming to Morecambe. And I think there's a huge opportunity off the back of that to develop a nature, a wider nature-based tourism offer around the Bay where, you know, a number of different businesses are working together to, to provide something that really supports that local rural economy and engages those visitors with you know the you know it's, it's great for them to go to Eden and see what's kind of in the domes but actually to then take them that step outside and go this is 
this is the real thing. This is like here and you can access it. You know, you can come to Eden, you can see all that stuff, but you can also, if you want to be a bit more adventurous, get out there and see it for real. So. Yeah. I mean, and your surname's Ren, so what more of a perfect, <laughs> perfect yes. um, Lucky chance of marriage, that one. <laughs> so how much are the experiences and what's the duration of them? Yeah, so half days experiences are £50 um, and they usually last sort of about four hours, um, quite often a little bit longer because when we stop for lunch, we kind of stop and chat and then you kind of got to get back to, to the cars. Um, full days are £80 ahead and um, they tend to be sort of nine till four. So not quite a full sort of working day, but in, enough. I think everybody's usually quite tired by the end of the day. Um, and yeah, they they that includes picnic lunch, which we take with us. Um, and, you know, I've got binoculars to loan out to people and, you know, we take out little ID things so that people can have a go at finding out what stuff is themselves rather than me just kind of telling people. Um, so, yeah, I've got lots of bits of equipment and stuff that help make it a little bit more of a an interesting experience as well. But I'm not going to give all that away. <laughs> no, definitely not. People need to book on. I think it's just... <laughs> such an exciting idea and such a like a niche and real clever business so yeah it's definitely something that I'll be booking on too I think with my auntie she lives in in Morecambe so it'd be a nice Christmas present for her um fantastic <laughs> so how can listeners find out more information and book on if they want to yeah so everything is on my website which is naturesgemtours.co.uk um I'm also on Facebook twitter and instagram um at nature's gem tours um so generally i'll update events and things on there um and signpost people to the website but website all booking through the website and um yeah it's, it's fairly straightforward really look me up <laughs> well i just want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and chatting to me about it it's really interesting and i think it's definitely something the listeners should try to reconnect with nature and learn more about what morecambe bay has Brilliant. Thanks for having me. It's been nice talking to you. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. To keep up to date with all things from a Lancashire Lass, follow on Facebook and Instagram at from a Lancashire Lass.